301-230-0980. Come and get some right now. A lot of you online. If you get a busy signal, wait. Wait until we start filtering the calls. Do have one line available to you right now. 301-230-0980. Nick Costos joins us later this hour. Do a little Thursday night preview. Also take a peek ahead from a wagering standpoint on the commanders and the Texans coming up this weekend. And what he thinks of the odds with Philadelphia losing this week, does it pull some other contenders now legitimately into the fray, like Minnesota in the NFC, who is now tied with Philadelphia with a mark of 8-1? and one? Well, it would help if I turn on my mic. Uh, not only did they lose, and they're still without Jordan Davis for probably, uh, I think he's all actually on the IR and not just hurt. So at least two more weeks, Probably I think. at least two more weeks mm-hmm. if he is officially on the IR, but Goddard got hurt as yeah. well. So he's going to miss, apparently, a couple of weeks. And, you know, that's going to hurt. I mean, it, it doesn't kill them, but that's going to hurt them. And we all know injuries are the ultimate equalizer. Injuries are the ultimate equalizer. And the commanders are getting Chase Young, allegedly, finally, maybe, sort of, we think, back this Sunday. We think. Uh I'm sure that'll change 10 times between now and Sunday, but that's what we think. That's what is being reported. Uh, So maybe, just maybe, while the commanders are getting healthier, the Eagles are getting more banged up Mm -hmm. and in critical spots. Now, again, nobody should, you know, nobody should uh, think that, you know, Nobody should think that the commanders are going to go through the rest of the year without significant injuries. Of course that's going to happen. Uh, Just by nature. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Let me throw this out before we get to the uh, calls. The commander's PR department just put this out. Uh, I thought it was pretty fascinating, right? Uh, You you know, I love to run the ball. I get everybody makes fun at me. Run the ball. ball. Right. So on Monday night, Washington had 49 rushing attempts. Now, some of those were not called rushes. They were scrambles by Taylor Heineke. You get the point. 49 official rushing attempts. Philadelphia ran only 47 total offensive plays. I'm I'm shocked that I didn't look at this. It was the first time since December 5th of 2004, Joe Gibbs part first year that Washington had more rushing attempts than their opponents had total offensive plays. How about that? Not, I mean, look, when you have 40, when you have the ball for 40 minutes, the other team by nature, if you just get a couple of stops or get a couple of turnovers, I mean, hell, they had four turnovers. So by nature, they're not going to run a lot of plays. Right. So, again, like I said, though, the scary thing the other night was as Washington could not have played, I mean, I guess they could have, yeah, they could have executed better offensively within the 40 minutes that they had the ball, no doubt. Could have gotten touchdowns instead of field goals. I told you, that long drive, I swore, I thought that long drive, their first drive of the third quarter, when they held the ball forever and only came away with a field goal, I swore that drive was going to come back to haunt them. Mm -hmm. And if Kez Watkins doesn't fumble, it would have. Yeah. So, you know, for as good as you played, you were still, you still needed help from the other club uh, to get the result you were looking for. Well, they needed a lot of help. Because I mean, they didn't play well in the second half offensively, right? I, I mean, I mean, they weren't. They there was a clear difference in the second half versus the first half in terms of their success and their attack and what they were able to do. I mean, you give credit to the Eagles. 
<laughs> you know, they adjusted. They found a way to slow you down. You said they had that long drive. You're right. They bogged down inside the 10, which, you know, I mean, again, happens to great teams. And we all know the Commanders are not a great offensive team or a great team, period. Michael Barnes on Twitter said, I'm not the biggest Heineke fan, and I wasn't mad with us getting Wentz, but if they switch outside of injury, they're fools right now. Um, it would be an insult to, I, I mean, if, if I, I got to say this. I got to say this. I, I, I respect the hell out of Ron Rivera. I, I know he's not the best head coach, and I know he mismanages personnel and uh, game plans, uh, timeouts and all that. I, I got it. I mean, nobody's perfect. I'm far from perfect. Um. I, I'm trying to say this as nicely as I can. Mm-hmm. Um, it, if Ron were to pull the plug on Taylor Haneke right now and put in Carson Wentz, quite honestly, it might be the dumbest decision ever made in the history of the NFL. If you say so, my friend. I, I mean, it might. Uh, this week. Not not next week. This right, week, right? One hundred percent. This the, week, in the moment, in the now, right? And it's not just because Heineke's three and one as a starter. It's not just because they won on Monday night. Now that helps because it, it, this isn't about just well. Taylor Heineke's playing at a high level. No, he's not. He's still playing at an inconsistent level. Inconsistent, not bad. Inconsistent. But the bottom line is, you don't do that. In this spot, on a short week, when you're the guy that you're going to hasn't played in four plus weeks, yep. you don't do that. It's not even an argument. Correct. Or it and, shouldn't be an and argument. To beat good opponents, keep the ball away from them. Washington, numero uno in time of possession yes. in the National Football League at 32 and a half minutes per right now. Correct. So you got to like that and give Scott Turner credit because Scotty wasn't willing to do that a few weeks ago. Now he realizes, hey, for us to be successful, I've got to think that way. As always on the show, ladies first. Let's go to line six and Sabah. What's up, Sabah? Hey, guys. I just snuck a call in in between patients. Let me close the door. That girl, okay. Dr. Sabah. It's been killing me not to call in. I was about to explode. Anyhow, oh, the game was amazing. And um, I know, I know that Taylor's not perfect. I got that. But, you know, everybody throws interceptions. Everybody makes mistakes. He is still, like like I said, hadn't gotten the off-season prep like all these other guys get. If if you think for a second that Taylor, um, the way he runs this offense, and we run, we run, we're running because he throws those third-down passes for first downs, guys. Without that, we don't get the next place. If Wentz is there, he takes a sack there or throws something god-awful, like way inaccurate. He can't read the field. He can't see the field. He's got the yips. And if Carson went started at Philly, we would have lost by double digits. And that's, like, guaranteed, okay? So I don't know why Ron's even talking about uh, Wentz. And I was thinking, do y'all think that, like, my personal experience, like my own daughter, she plays basketball. You know, she's not tall and, you know, she doesn't, like, fit the profile of this, like, you know, great athletic kind of um, looking person. Her AAU team, when she was younger, she had 27 points as a point guard. The coach immediately the next day said, uh, this other girl is going to start at point guard over her because he thought if she could co- score 27, this other girl who was a little bit taller and faster could um, score 35. Well, of course, you know, we moved on to a different team. She ended up doing great and make, breaking high school records for threes and all that kind of stuff. And that girl ended up being nothing, uh, dropping out, no work ethic, and uh, just didn't work out. So years later, those coaches actually came to me and apologized, saying we should have stuck with your daughter. 
We just didn't think that she, that, that she could keep doing what she was doing. Well, it's what, so what, what, what do I talk about? Sabah, what do I talk about all the time? Yeah. When you when players get off the bus or when we go to these like combines right. or you know things of that nature, we're looking for that yeah. strapping 6'5", 220 quarterback, maybe right. even looking now at a Josh Allen, a guy who goes a little more 240, you know, somewhere in that area. Right. You know, we're we're right. looking for what is supposed to be the prototype instead of looking for the person that might be the most effective and in many ways it's what yeah. gets some front offices fired and some that right. get hired. So Right. You know. Why don't we look at results? Results. How about results? This guy has been behind the eight ball his whole career. Results have always been the no, most no overlooked thing, Sabah, sometimes in terms right. of looking for physical traits. You're exactly right. And that's what's frustrating about it, okay? Results. Uh, even when I was in surgical residency, I got three years in a row, doctors tried to kick me out saying I didn't fit the, the field because I talked too much and I was too casual. What they really meant, I wasn't some tall, you know, um, uh, white male, I guess, that whose father was a surgeon. Well, these other guys ended up not even being good, and now I'm in the community killing them. So they, they just kill me when they have these little standards that they set instead of looking at the results. And that's what I feel about with Taylor Heineke. So that's what I wanted to say to you guys. Appreciate he should you. stay for the rest of the year and be you, a starter. You got to go take out people's liver safely today. 301-230-0980. <laughs> Love it. She says, I'm killing it as a surgeon. Just don't kill anybody. You know? Yes. Exactly. Love it. You don't want to do that. <laughs> Let's go to line one. Roy's in Brunswick. What's up, Roy? Hey, guys. Awesome show as always. What's up, Roy? Thank you, buddy. I wanted to ask you guys about how we're using the running backs, similar to like the, what the Packers are doing. But real quick on the quarterback front, you guys know how I feel long term. But, uh, Pete, I feel like a lot of factors are being overlooked. One, um, who's to say that we weren't trying to pound the football like this and replicate what the Colts were doing the whole time. But Robinson gets shot preseason. Gibson puts the ball on the ground in preseason, and they don't have any trust to give him the ball. And Rulier gets hurt week two. So the offensive line, there was a stat a week or two after that, like they had the most different offensive line combinations than any team in football. And I think like the last month they've had the same line. But I think that like the whole point – in the beginning with Turner was to replicate what what um, Wentz did with the Colts and Robinson being their Jonathan Taylor. And in that Jacksonville game, they're down 10 points or nine points because I was at it and we hit home runs to win it. And at some point, this defense is going to either come back down to earth or have a bad game. And you're not going to be able to go 12 plays and convert eight third downs. You're going to need when Curtis Samuel gets behind that guy, the first, series to hit it over the top and and i think that turner wanted to run 30 35 times this entire time and just wasn't able to because of all this factors i told you now with that said i think gibson is the much better first down back he's 220 so it's not like you have to run off tackle with him and with taylor who has to start next week i totally agree with that um with him having so much familiarity with this offense, when you give him like a, if you see, then, then do this type of stuff. Cause he's not checking out of much stuff at all. I don't think Turner can say, Hey, if they're stacking the box, like second half and Gibson's out there, he can roll him out or he can, you know, put him out in motion to have a linebacker, have an impossible cover or do play action or something with them. I think like what you saw with the Packers versus Dallas, Robinson needs to be the closer that no one wants to see lined up there 
third, fourth quarter. And Gibson needs to be the guy on first down that can tendency break, that can do uh, catch it out of the backfield and get more chunk. Because we all those runs, we had no splash runs. And I think you're going to get that more with Gibson uh, getting the majority of the carries, similar to what they saw Jones do with the Packers. And I wanted to see what you guys thought about that dynamic. Roy, I think you I, – I look, I think as you present it, I think it's a hell of a point. Uh, because, you know, again, nobody plans on a running back getting shot. They had no confidence at that point in Gibson because of the fumble, and that's why Robinson looked like was on target to be their guy. And when he got shot, that changed everything from a confidence standpoint, I think, from them in a play-calling standpoint with that particular running back. Gibson has proven, knock on wood here, over time this year to be a reliable and trustworthy person again carrying the ball, and I think now you're seeing them operate as such. Does Heineke's insertion into the lineup notch that up a couple of percentage points? Absolutely. 100%. Because you know he's not giving you that one element Wentz has, but he is giving you a lot of the other elements right now. Let's go to line four. John's in D.C. What's up, John? All right, what's going on, you guys? What's up, John? Nice, sir. But I think the coaching staff should definitely go back to Wentz when he's ready. I, I understand he's not ready right now with the hand. But once he gets on that practice field, I think they should put him back out there because we already know what Taylor Heineke is. I mean, he's a mediocre quarterback. There's nothing that he's doing that Wentz can do. In the beginning of the season, we wasn't running the ball. We wasn't using Gibson. We're doing all that stuff now. I mean, uh, Carson gets more of the team involved. He spreads the ball around. And uh, Taylor, he just – he, he keys in on um uh, I think we lost him uh yeah I, I think what his point was listen a lot of quarterbacks do this he did not do a very good job manipulating the safety's eyes on the interception the other night and as well you know even that that um and I just I'm sorry I refuse to call it a yellow ball I know everybody wants to call it a yellow ball I'm not gonna call it a yellow ball um Sorry, just not doing it. Um, on the on the throw into triple coverage against the Vikings, eh? You know, I I mean, he doesn't do a great job of holding a safety's eyes. Mm-hmm. He he really does not. And, and I don't know if that's just still a lack of experience. If that's just in the moment, I don't know what it is. But the best quarterbacks do a great job of selling something before scanning back over and especially if you do not have a rocket for an arm a howitzer as i always like to call it that's really important that's more important than ever and that's something heineke still struggles with he's pete i think his timing has gotten better this year i think his anticipation has gotten better this year i've seen a noticeable improvement in my eyes in that, remember last year when we were would talk about Taylor Heineke all the time, everybody would just, duh, well, he's got a lack of arm strength. Well, that's not what we talked about on this show. Yes, the lack of arm strength acknowledged. It was that he was late on things mm-hmm. and the lack of arm strength. I think his timing and his anticipation is better this year. Doesn't that, though, come from playing more at sure, game speed? Sure, absolutely. No well, doubt. Because we, we know practice is no not – Practice is no longer at the same speed uh, and the same way it was years ago. Absolutely. So you're not practicing at game speed a ton. 
that can only come from playing football games. Absolutely. Correct. So, you know. I mean, would you say that's fair? Like, based on what you've seen this year? Right. Okay. So, now, so that covers up some problems, but now he's got to take the next step, right? Listen, he's never going to have Aaron Rodgers for an arm. He's Mm -hmm. just never going to forget about that. But you can improve with your eye discipline, you can improve with. Your timing, your anticipation, your reads, everything. You can improve in all of those areas. He's making some strides. Let's give him a little bit more time, especially if they're winning. Again, if he comes out and he craps the bed this Sunday against Houston and they lose, Carson Wentz is probably going in against the Atlanta Falcons. If and he's should. Cleared. And, and he should at should. that point. Because but, right now, right now, yeah. if you're Heineken, you yeah. want to keep the job. Remember, you, and, and he says, he knows, he understands what his role is. But if he wants to keep the job he currently has in the role that it is, he's got to go to Houston and play well and, and win this right, week. Right. Can't afford it. Can't, can't lose this game. This week is about this week. Yes, That's exactly. It. Like, again, everybody wants Ron to make a decision for the rest of the year. No. Who cares what happens? When your backup in quarterback deci- is in, it's a week-to-week yes. deal. Well, even when your starter, for the most part, is in. Right? I mean, not 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 if you're you know an elite start. Not Joe Burrow. I mean, if Joe Burrow has a bad day like he did week one and throws four interceptions, he's not getting benched the next week. But I'm saying when you're a fringe starter. How many Dallas people do you think were nervous after losing? Uh, and what do they want Cooper Rush over Dak all of a sudden again? No. I mean, Jerry, Jerry said uh, on Sean and RJ that it's Dak. I mean, For us to, listen, to achieve our goals as a championship team, it's got to be Dak. I mean, if anybody wants Cooper Rush over Dak, are, are they a knucklehead or is that is that too harsh? Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Cooper Rush obviously played well and he led them to wins. But there's a difference between playing well, leading to wins. Heineke, I wouldn't say has played I would say he's he's played inconsistent. Okay, <laughs> I wouldn't even say who, he's who played you, well. Who would you rather have as your backup? Well, I mean, I, come on. I mean, Cooper Rush the, is based That's on right. what I've seen. Pick my he's the, the better quarterback. Pick my Chippewa. The, the one thing that I would say about Heineke that I don't know if Cooper Rush has. Heineke's got that special magic gene yes. that inspires people to play. A little something, something extra for him. It's it, it might be. Remember minute, though, Rush it, Rush did it at Minnesota last year for them in the well, prime it, time yeah, spot. I mean, he did it. He did it this year at, at the saying, Giants. He's. I yeah. mean, they beat the Giants. I'm just saying on the road. Did it in the prime time spot last year too at Minnesota. Cooper yeah. Rush, pretty pretty good in that capacity as the reserve. More of your phone calls coming up next. Nick Costos, 25 minutes away. We'll get his enthusiastic take at the Thursday night game trends he likes, especially as Maryland gets closer. I would circle the date November 23rd. Just keep November 23rd handy for those of you that live in Maryland like myself and that are interested in your online and mobile gaming situation. November 23rd. Right now, we'll take a break, take more of your calls. And Nick Costos coming up at 1045 right here on Russell and Matt Hurst. We're with you till noon today, as always, on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app.
Taylor Heineke certainly would have been a centerfold this week for many Washington Commanders fans. Imagine that. Could you see him taking a picture as a centerfold with just the chains <laughs> and the and a bush light in his hand? <laughs> bush light covering something else. Who is Susie Q and all them would be running to get those additions. Uh, uh, another Taylor is slightly more popular than this Taylor in, 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 in this town and in other towns. See Taylor Swift broke Ticketmaster yesterday. There is no chance right now Taylor Heineke is not pop more popular than Taylor Swift in this it, town. In the in this town, Taylor Heineke is more yes. popular. Yes. Nationally? Of course not. She broke Ticketmaster. She's the best. I mean, she literally she won't come here to FedEx Field. She's going to like 23 other NFL stadiums. So it's more than just here, but she won't come here. I got to be honest with you. I took my daughter to see Taylor Swift the last time she was here. At, at, Park, at right? No, no, it was at FedEx Field. Oh, was it? I okay. took her to see her at FedEx Field. Okay. I love Taylor Swift. Do you? Yeah. I mean, I, I'm a, I kind of like Taylor a, Swift. I, look, I mean, I've got, I'm a person that can listen to every genre of music. Go-Go is my top selection. Um, Probably, ironically, country would be next, I think. And then pop like you know my daughter and them listen to mm-hmm. but taylor swift does taylor swift pink they just they they just do something for me well <laughs> what's that something they, they just do something for me they, well, they make me feel excited about the music i'm listening to pink as you know as mm-hmm. we mentioned i think yesterday is coming to nats park we, i believe it's yeah. uh august 6th or 7th or, yeah, or, sure. or something like that but Sw- taylor swift uh so I don't know if that FedEx concert was before or after. I know the last time she was in this area, I believe, was at Nats Park. But again, maybe the FedEx one came right after. I, I don't remember exactly, but I know she performed at Nats Park, and obviously a lot of people uh, I remember, you know, buzzing about that and all that. Uh, I think the closest she's coming here uh, to here, because I, I don't think she's doing Baltimore either. No, no, which is kind of weird, right? That's, I mean, uh, FedEx, New gets, Jersey or Pittsburgh, uh, Philadelphia, or Philadelphia. Yeah. yeah. So, so, so FedEx gets criticized. Oh, see, Taylor Swift won't come, and it's true. She's not coming to FedEx Field, and there's probably reasons for that. Okay, maybe it's financial. Maybe it's the setup. I don't know. But she's also not going to Baltimore, which is a beautiful stadium, mm-hmm. right? I mean, you were just there on Saturday. Yep. Any problems at uh, no, uh, at uh what the hell do they call it? Uh, MNC Bank Stadium. Yeah, pl- joints great, right? Okay, so she's not going there. I don't think she's going to Charlotte either. So, I mean, listen, let, I mean, look, we can reasonably criticize the Washington Commanders, Redskins football team organization, Dan's not for a lot of things. I don't think it's fair. For everybody that's been chiding them that Taylor Swift won't come here, okay, or decided. So she just avoided this area altogether. Right. And maybe, maybe because she has been to this area a couple of times on this tour, yeah. maybe she replaced cities that she hadn't been to on right. previous tours. Yeah, I, 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 that I don't know. I mean, I mean maybe because I know possible. she's playing a couple of dates at SoFi Stadium. Well, SoFi Stadium, the last time she did a tour, wasn't in existence. Correct. So I'm so just saying. I don't know so, if she went to, like, the L.A. Memorial Coliseum right. or not. I would have not to go to the Rose Bowl. Not impossible uh, you know, that she's been, you exactly. know, replaced D.C. with a couple of places she hadn't been yet. I think that's a fun question that we should throw out there just, just for, you know, craps and giggles. What is that? In Washington, D.C., in the greater listening area, the DMV, mm-hmm. and of course, if you're listening anywhere else on the Odyssey app, who's more popular right now? 
Taylor Heineke or Taylor Swift? <laughs> I think that's a fun question we should throw out. Maybe we should ask Nick Costos what the uh, prop, what the odds are that Taylor Heineke would win that. 301-230-0980, line two. Jeffrey is in Vienna. What's up, Jeffrey? Jeffrey? Wow. What's up, guys? Hello, uh, Jeffrey. Do you go? Do you go by Jeffrey at all or no? <laughs> uh, my mom used to call me that when I did something really bad. Oh, okay. You know? yeah. um, Jeffrey. Well, call you, me, you did something most, good most people, yesterday. You, you did something good yesterday, which we. Uh, I, I, I don't know if you were still listening, but we tried to pay you homage to because you were the first one to send me the um, uh, the jump rope through the penis story. I'm with Pete, man. I was in pain when I was reading that story. Mm. That you know that that was that was rather ugly. But Hung Young Low or whatever that guy's name was, more power to him, I guess. You That's know? what I called him. So. That's what I called I him. I forgot about that part. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and Pete is still employed today, which is good. <laughs> uh, well, Dude, I mean, so, think about Jeff. I, think about is, this. It is the Pete 9 Jeff, think about this and all other men listening to this. Hell, can you imagine Sabah being the surgeon having to go in there and find that? I mean, how does someone even do that? That's That's the thing to me. I've never seen, whenever we get these wacky stories about what happens with um, things, shall we say, I'm just amazed at what people were thinking. Oh, I'm going to do this to my shvingas, and it's going to go great, you know? And, of course, it doesn't go great. So, and Sabah ends up having to cut it out. Yeah, he just wanted, he's an avid New York Post reader and wanted to make the paper, that's all. So, um, that's me. My, uh, my daughter... My daughter got second row floor seats in Atlanta yesterday. She's one of the the good stories that came out of yesterday. Mm. So um, she won't be sitting still until April 29th. How much did she pay for second row floor seats? Uh, It was uh, $440 all in with fees. Oh, $440 each. um, My goodness. She's. She's been independent for, you know, she's not 100% off the payroll, but discretionary income like that comes out of her wallet. So, and uh, she's worked hard and she, you know, she'll be done with grad school in May. And I I think she's kind of torn between going to Europe after grad school's over or just following Taylor Swift from city to city in the United States. So um, it's an interesting dynamic. So um, movie theater candy, Pete, Lemonheads. Yeah. You get those things real yes. thick, and then you could throw them at the screen and see. Lemonheads, Red Hots. Um, oh God, there was another one that wasn't there. Like was along tamales, those, some hot, hot tamales. tamales. Yes, yeah, something like, good and plenty. You know, I mean, I, I go and Mike, Mike and Ike. Oh yes. yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, and wasn't there like something with like um, like some sort of chocolate with like white dots or something on it, like uh, perils or something. Oh, yeah. Snow caps. Snow caps. Snow caps. Snow caps. There you go. There you go. All there right. On, on to the real topic. Nobody wants to listen to me talk about Taylor Swift. So um, how much does the 70% snap dynamic come into play at the GM and above level when factoring the Heineke versus Wentz decision? Um, well, so – I, Ron has acknowledged that you don't want to bench somebody who's playing well 
because of that, because they inserted that clause in the trade, right? But what he did not acknowledge is what if somebody is A, injured, and what if somebody is not playing well? You know what I'm saying? Like, he got around it when he was asked a couple of weeks ago by saying, well, you wouldn't want to bench. Of course. If Carson Wentz had been what they were hoping for him to be, nobody would give a you-know-what about second or third. But he's not, and he, and he won't be. Period. End of story. He will not be. I mean, I tried to tell everybody that before the trade. Everyone laughed. I tried to tell everybody when they made the trade. Everyone laughed. Carson Wentz will never, ever, 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 ever be what he was in 2017, period. And and now everybody, again, knows it. Everyone that didn't know it before now knows it. And so, to me, right now, he's missed, uh, I mean, he's missed the four games He's probably, almost surely, going to miss a fifth. That should put them in the neighborhood of covering the non-70%, but it would still, if he came back against Atlanta and played every snap the rest of the way, they would be close, if not right around that number, is my understanding. I haven't done all the math, but that would be my understanding. So if he misses a fifth game this week, that should put them in the neighborhood of being okay uh, or maybe clearing, even if he plays every snap thereafter, that 70% mark or sub 70% mark. Because that's what you, you know, that's what you got to be. You got to be at 69% or lower uh, in order for that to be a third round pick as opposed to a second round pick. And what is your guy's reasonable expectation of Chase Young performance? Not the fan base expectation. But do you think he's going to be out there 20 snaps, 10 snaps? What are, What do you two think about Chase Young? I think, it, I think it depends on how much the defense gets the other team in second and third and long situations. Uh, because I think you have to at least put him in those situations right now where he knows, look, here's all we're asking you to do. Rush the passer. Mm-hmm. Go from there. See how the knee reacts from play to play. Because that, that's the most important thing. He could go out there and play one play and go at, at game speed and go, man, this doesn't feel right, and they may not play him anymore. Or if it keeps feeling okay and responds with no swelling then the, and he plays well, the temptation will be to play him more. But I think, look, they've played the cautious game already on this, and I don't see why they wouldn't keep doing this at game speed. 10 to 12 snaps maybe if the defense gets them in that kind of a situation coming up this week. And let's hope that Chase Young can have an impact, even though he might play a small amount of plays in the game. Jeff, appreciate the call. More of your calls coming up. We're going to be joined by Nick Costos from BetQL next right here on the Team 980 and streaming live for free on the Odyssey app. Chris is a look at what's trending. Three zero one two three zero zero nine eighty. Russell and I are minus one fifty every day to at least one time not turn our mic on when we want to start talking. You know what that means, Chris? That means we are a heavy favorite to do that at least one time during the course of every show. I mean, they should make it easier for us. They should add more to uh, Matt Essex's plate. Yeah, Matt, just turn our mic on so we don't forget. On the line now, of course, our friend from uh, You Better You Bet. And our insider calls are presented by BetQL. Sports betting coming live in Maryland. 
I w- as I said earlier, I would circle the date, November 23rd. I think that's when we're going to get there. The BetQL Network hosting live shows from November 20th through the 22nd at the BetMGM Sportsbook over at National Har- Harbor. Get on over and see the action there. And then, of course, our man, the energetic, the lively man who will liven up any room, Nick Costos, joins us now. Mr. Costos, good morning, sir. How are you? Pete and Chris, what's going on? Great to be on with you guys. Great to hear mobile sports betting coming to your area next week. And we'll be in, uh, we'll be in D.C. this weekend doing shows at National Harbor. Great to be on with you today. Nick, Absolutely. we've only been waiting for it for two years now. Um, that's that's all. I mean, the governor's been beating up the SWART committee, saying, what are you people doing? We've lost almost two entire football seasons uh, here. But, look, there's a chance. Marylanders are going to have a chance to rally here late in the year to get in on some action. We are 10 weeks into this NFL season, approaching week 11. In season right now, are you seeing any team that is trending in a good value position? Somebody that a few weeks ago probably wasn't quite on the radar, but is there value out there right now in a team that you could see over the last seven weeks of the season fans could start to scoop up a little bit of cash with? So this is like this is less a Super Bowl question and more like a week to week question, right? Like a team sure. that we think is on the sure. offense right yeah. now. Yeah, so I, I can answer the question as far as like, well, I think there's a couple different answers to the question. I think one would be the Baltimore Ravens, who are coming off their bye right now, ostensibly are going to be a lot healthier. Now we'll see what the injury report ends up looking like for Baltimore. The first one will come out later uh, later today for their game coming up on Sunday against the Carolina Panthers. Baltimore is going to be favored probably in every game they play in the rest of the year. Now we'll see what Cincinnati is able to do when Jamar Chase gets back, because the Bengals will still host the Ravens a little late in the season. But like if Cincinnati's favored in that game, Cincinnati is going to be like a one point favorite in the game it will never be a full three um assuming that ever like all the principles on both teams are healthy so i think like people should get used to that like the ravens are going to win a ton of regular season games coming down the stretch it doesn't mean that they're better than kansas city or buffalo or or will win the super bowl or even get there just that i think like they're shaping up to be a team that's going to win a ton of regular season games i like them a little bit coming up this week to cover the spread against the carolina panthers baker mayfield's reinsertion into the starting lineup muddles things a little bit because he's played well in relief of pj walker when he's had to come in like he did in the since Cincinnati game, but I do like the Ravens a little bit in that game. And then the other one would be, and this team is um, is off this week. The Miami Dolphins are a team that's on the ascent big time right now. Maybe the best offense in football, consistently averaging over seven yards per play, which is absolutely ridiculous. And currently in first place in the AFC East with the head-to-head win this season already over the Buffalo Bills. And the third one would be a team that's playing tomorrow night. And I'm not going to make the insinuation here that this team can like fully dig out of the hole that it's in right now and can make the playoffs. But the Green Bay Packers, I think, get to 5-6 and six tomorrow night, and I think they're going to handle the Tennessee Titans. This feels to me like a game that Tennessee's not going to punt because the implication there is that they don't care if they win or lose. Obviously, they're going to try and win. But this is a team that is extremely injured right now, a quarterback still dealing with the high ankle sprain, playing on the road on a short week here. They have a multi-game lead in the division, and the team that's in second place, they have already swept the head-to-head season series and hold the tiebreaker. So for Tennessee, I think this is a get-out-of-dodge, like healthy game here and for the Packers the game literally means everything for them so I like the Packers tomorrow night to cover the spread Packers minus three is still a good bet in my opinion so those would be the three teams right now that I'm looking at all right Nick Costos with us you can follow him on all social media at the Costos that's K-O-S-T-O-S in case you're not already doing so the Costos again on Instagram and uh, on Twitter for advice like this to help you out a little bit all right let me ask you about the Commanders Texans uh, Commanders at last check I think uh, we're 
three and a half, uh, three and uh, yeah, three. Uh, no, three, three, three uh, at the Texan. Now, normally we know home teams get you know a little bit of a bump because well they're home. I don't know how uh, true that still is. Uh, the, you got a one and win Texan team. You got a five and five Commanders team coming off of the biggest upset uh, of the NFL season, arguably. But on a short week and a long road trip, Nick, I I, I think the Commanders are going to struggle here. Is the wise approach here to kind of take a little bit of a risk with the Texans, even though they stink, thinking that the Commanders can't get up for Lovey Smith and the one-win Houston Texans on a short week? See, I, I don't think so, but like that doesn't mean that I'm right. So like I, you're gonna like have this grand setup for the question, and I'm gonna say no, and it's gonna sound like I'm 100 percent right. But I I could be wrong. Like you could be right. I just right. disagree with that assertion. And to your point, just about home field, like you're right. Like I, I give the Houston Texans like a point of home field. Like right. that's it. I don't think Houston deserves more than that here. So I think here's where I kind of come down on this game. I, and like you guys may know the answer to this question. I don't think like it's fully out there yet, but maybe like you guys are hearing whispers that haven't made their way to me yet. Chase Young's probably going to play in this game, right? Like, Chase Young's yeah. probably going to be activated and make his season debut. Okay, that, That's the so, plan right now, right. Okay, so I, I make my point spreads in the National Football League. I feel like my numbers are really good. It doesn't mean that the bets are going to win. It just means that, like, I think I have a pretty guy, good idea of what the point spread should be in games. I think the Commanders being a three-point road favorite is perfect. Like, I think that number's correct. But if Chase Young's going to play, I think he's actually impactful enough that like Washington should actually be more than a three point favorite in this game. Okay. So for me, it's actually, and like I said, like, I don't, I don't mean to say things like this. Like I am guaranteed to be right. There's no such thing as locks. No matter what any bad sports betting content wants to tell you, they don't exist. Those people are liars and frauds. I just try and give you the best information I can. And I think the best information here is if Chase Young is going to play in the game, barring any other injury stuff that we're unaware of right now over the course of the rest of the week, I think Washington should be more than a three-point favorite in the game. So if we get wins that Chase Young is going to play and the number is three for a little bit, I'm going to bet Washington. My best guess is if and when Chase Young is, is official that he's going to play, I think this line will go up. I like the commanders. I would never, ever bet the Texans. Now, if Chase Young doesn't play and the number stays here, it's just a no bet for me with Washington and Houston. Nick, let me ask you this, because as someone that you know specializes in making your own lines, does the line change at all if it's Taylor Heineke or Carson Wentz? Oh, I mean, definitely. Yeah, I mean, there's – yes. I mean, it, it's a, it, this is such an interest, like a weird kind of example, because like Carson Wentz should be better than Heineke, but he's not. And, like, the team loves Heineke and, like, they didn't love Wentz. So, yeah, like, absolutely. Also, like, I don't know. Like, there's no chance, Carson. If Carson Wentz starts this game, like, Ron Rivera should just be fired on the spot. Like, that should just be what happens. Like, there's no way that Wentz is going to start. Mm-hmm. But if, if, if Wentz starts, definitely you, you bump Washington down. The team doesn't like him, it seems like to me, at least from the outside. And they love Heineke. And Heineke actually, like, rallies this team and Wentz doesn't. So, so yeah, I, I think that Carson Wentz at his height – is better than Heineke, but I mean, who can argue with the results that we've seen so far? Is there any Commanders fan that would rather see Carson Wentz start games than Taylor Heineke? I'd love to meet him or her if that's the case. <laughs> I mean, I, I, like 
to me, beyond just the three and one record, it's not like Heineke's played well. He's played okay. He's been inconsistent at best, but they're three and one and they just came off of beating the Eagles. And then on top of that, you got a short practice week. They're not even going to practice fully until tomorrow, Nick. And, you know, you, you have a quarterback, you're going to throw a quarterback who's stiff and awkward uh, in there who hasn't thrown, you know, in a game in a month. And he, it's not like he was good before then for crying out loud. I, yeah, I don't, no I, I don't get that no conversation chance, at all. As a matter of fact, if they put Wentz in there, uh, that number should go from Commanders minus three to Texans um, minus ten for all I'm going to say. Uh, let me ask yeah. you. Wentz, let, Wentz is not going to play. Right. No chance that happens. Let me ask you this. So, uh, maybe I missed this uh, in, in, in your setup here uh, while I was doing a little look around. Uh, Cowboys-Vikings. So, look, I know the Vikings might not have a lot left in the tank, coming in this Sunday after unloading everything uh, in overtime in Buffalo. (sighs) To me, I don't get the whole Dallas minus one thing here. I I mean, how is Dallas favored in this game? Uh, What am I missing here? So, like, basically, like, Dallas, in my opinion, should be favored in the game. Okay, why? Um, I I have not bet the game yet. So, like, if people out there listening, like, think Minnesota should be favored and you register your opinion by making a bet – like your opinion matters more than mine because I have not bet the game. I mm. teased Minnesota up when the number was one and a half to plus seven and a half. Okay. But with what we're dealing with right now with Dallas minus one, here's what I can tell people. And like, we actually did this on the show on Monday. Cause I got some tweets from people on Monday morning. How could this be the case? Vikings should be a big favorite in the game. Like with the way point spreads are put together in the national football league. I think like the anchor for all of this, you, I think people, you can't get caught up in just what you saw last, right. like what you saw last and having that dictate because then like, then you have like Bills minus eight against Cleveland, which is an insane point spread in my opinion. We can talk about that if you want. But Buffalo should be a double-digit favorite in the game. Like that line's insane to me. But as far as this is concerned, like the closing point spreads of games, which means that when the game starts, and all the really smart people, like the not like not like my next door neighbor who like thinks the Vikings should be ten point favorites in the game, like like the people with influence that are betting lots of money, they have all registered their opinions, right? Like, that dictates that Dallas needs to be favored in this game. That Dallas really? is better than Minnesota. Absolutely. Like, like, not even a question. That Dallas is better than – it's not even, like, up for debate. Now, that doesn't mean that Dallas is going to win. Minnesota can definitely win the game. Like, I'm telling you, I'm not betting the game. I think it's a coin flip. Just that I think that the point spread is right. Now, if you wanted to tell me that Minnesota should be, like, a one-point favorite in the game, there's no difference there, basically. It's like, pick the winner of the game. That's basically what this is right now. But just, like, for people that think Minnesota should be, like, a big favorite in the game because they beat Buffalo and Dallas blew the lead against Green Bay on Sunday, like, I'm just saying, like, no. Like, that's not right. Minnesota can still win, and you can still bet on them, just that, like, the point spread is not wrong. I'm just... just, Okay. So... The only thing I worry about with the Vikings, and I know the Vikings are in in close knuckle biting, you know, type games every. I got it. The only thing I worry about them again is did they unload the tank to win these last two road games? Come from beyond against Washington, and then of course in Buffalo on Sunday, and then they just show up and basically they're flat. That's the only like. at home, I don't understand how the Cowboys are favored. So, can, just can you tell me why you don't have a problem with that with that spread? And, and sure, we, like regardless it. of who wins the game or not, just the perception that the the that the Cowboys are better than the Vikings because that's what we deal with, right? A line is a perception. Yeah, and and by the way, like if these two teams played on a neutral field right now. Dallas would be at least a three-point favorite in the really? game. At least. Wow. At least. 
That's like, crazy. Like they're, they're better than Minnesota. Like, I don't even I don't even think it's a question. Now, Are again, you like, serious? Uh, really? At 100%. Now, like, again, like, I'm not telling you that, like, the Cowboys are definitely going to win. This is just, again, if we are going to go off of what the, what, the, what the point spreads are, right? Like, this is less of a, like, well, I think Justin Jefferson's going to dominate Trevon Diggs, so I think the Vikings are going to win. That's like a prop bet conversation, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Or like how we think, a fantasy football conversation, which is great. And we all watch the games and we all have opinions, right? So this is not to denigrate those opinions. I have those opinions also as a lifelong football fan, right? But when we're talking about the spread of a game, like, I'm just saying, that if the spread opened, like Minnesota minus three, let's say, let's say that was the open, it would have lasted for five seconds. It would be gone immediately. Dallas would have been, I would have bet the hell out of Dallas. Everyone would have bet the hell out of Dallas when that opened. Because that point spread would be wrong based on like the actual like mathematical data that we have prior to this. Now, if we want to have a football conversation here, I'll ask you guys the question. Which quarterback do you trust more, Dak Prescott or Kirk Cousins, or do you trust them equally? I trust Kirk more. Okay, well, I think like it's, it's something that I think could at least be up for debate, and I think that's fair. That. That's fair. Which which team's defense is better? Uh, well, Dallas. Dallas is better. Not even close. Yeah. It's, and, it's, it's, and it's and it's not even close. But to your now, point, maybe, to your point, Trayvon Dix could either have two interceptions, or Justin Jefferson could have a hundred, you know, buck fifty, and that sure. could be what you know what sways the game. In addition exactly. to, in addition to having. I don't know, maybe a coaching staff that people trust more in Minnesota, in addition to having home field advantage. Now, I mean, there's a million arguments I could make for Minnesota. I get that Minnesota's not pretty, but they're not like a – like the Giants are not a team that – Represents their record well. I think Minnesota. So like, what do you think the point spread of the game should be? So, like, like what do you think this? Like, like, if you were making the line, what do you think it should at be? home? I and think this the, is not this is not a gotcha question. Yeah, like, I'm I, no, no, no. I, I'm just having a fun debate here. I would have put Absolutely. the Vikings at minus. I'll give you maybe not minus three, but I would say minus a, a one and a hook, minus two. So it's basically like we are basically yeah. talking about in a game with a decently yeah. sized total, yeah. like almost the same point spread. Yeah, like, yeah. Pick, yeah. Pick I guess it's just the game. Basically. Yeah, I think Minnesota's going to win. Sure. You know what you should do? Bet Minnesota. Yes. Like, I, again, like, I'm telling you that you could be right. And actually, like, I think that if I had to bet the game, I think that I would probably bet Minnesota also. If I had to bet, like, just, just to win the game. But what I'm trying to say is that, like, the you. point spread is not wrong, is okay. the point that I'm making. Like, right. the point spread That's is fair. Wrong. Costos, appreciate you, man. Enjoy the weekend at National Harbor, pal. Should be good down there for you. You'll like it. Hey, can, I, can I give you one other if you guys have time? Go ahead. Real quick. Okay. All right, so the Patriots are three-point favorites right now against the Jets. Just as like a point spread conversation, these two teams played, what, three weeks ago? Yep. The Patriots closed two and a half on the road at the Jets, um, and now they're three at home. Like, the line is wrong. The Patriots need to be more than a three-point favorite. There's no way that this point spread closes three. It's going to close more than three pending injury. If you out there agree with me, I would bet the Patriots sooner rather than later against the Jets because this line will not exist for too much longer, in my opinion. Costos, you're on top of things, man. Appreciate you. That is uh, Nick Costos for joining us, uh, host of You Better You Bet. Insider calls are presented by BetQL. Sports betting will live uh, be live soon, I should say, in Maryland. And the BetQL Network will be hosting live shows from November 20th through the 22nd at the Bet MGM Sportsbook in National Harbor. Head on over. And you'll see Costos and company and get in on the action. Finally. All right, get in on the action of our final hour, 301-230-0980. We're streaming live, of course, for free right here on the Odyssey app.